Hello, and welcome to the Theological Family Ministry Podcast, a podcast for parents as well as children and youth ministry leaders. We are dedicated to showing how theological study and biblical application relate to the discipleship of children and youth. As always, we're hosted by Pastor Ben Palaz, the pastor of family and children's discipleship at Curtis Baptist Church in Augusta, Georgia, and Tony Trussoni, the family and student pastor at Faith Family Church in Finksburg, Maryland. Hey, Ben, how are you doing today? Uh, doing okay. Yeah, how about you? I'm doing well. Uh, what's the weather like in your neck of the woods? Uh, not too bad. It's, uh, it's a little rainy, but uh, it's not no snow on the ground or anything like that, though there's forecasts for it later in the week, so my kids are hoping earnestly for snow. <laughs> how about you? Yeah, I'm sure whatever's going on, it's nothing compared to, to what my parents are experiencing in Illinois. And here it's not bad. It's a little bit of snow, like I think an inch. They called it potentially five, but it's not going to be anywhere near that. So, uh, But yeah, my parents, uh, tomorrow they're going to get Northern Illinois negative 30 for the low, So, uh, which is pretty awful, right? If we got an inch here, everything would shut down, you know, be a uh, panic. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll see. Uh, now this Sunday, I uh, this we're recording this the Tuesday before the Super Bowl. And uh, do you have any big plans for the Super Bowl, Ben? Uh, I think we're going over to a family's house in our church, um, hopefully to see Tom Brady lose and the, the Patriots. But uh, you know, we'll see. <laughs> How about you? Yeah, um, we're gonna we have a lot of meat. Uh, we are going to have meat. We're going to make Italian beef like we do every year, so that will be fun. And uh, we will uh, yeah, we'll have a good time, and we're we'll also root against the Patriots. Even though our senior pastor is a huge Patriots fan, you have to pray for him for sure. So, uh, But, you know, I, I've always had a dislike for teams like the Patriots or uh, Alabama, even though we have a close friend, as you know, who's a big Bama fan. Uh, but I'm such a hypocrite in that because I remember, uh, who, is the, you know, who is the big dynasty of the 90s, Ben? What, in pro football? In pro football, yeah. I have to go with the Cowboys. Yeah, the Cowboys. And uh, obnoxious myself, I'll admit it, uh, until I was in grad school and seminary, uh, my favorite team was the Cowboys. And they were because they, my favorite team because I saw how successful they were in Super Bowls when I was in the elementary school. In fact, I was so into them that I, I made sure to tell everybody the good news about how amazing the Dallas Cowboys were. Uh, I even, even so much so that my older brother became a Cowboys fan. I eventually pushed him away from Cowboys love because of my obsession with the Cowboys, but from what I've been told, another uh, kid on the bus with me also became a Cowboys fan uh, because of my great love and evangelism of the Cowboys. Uh, now now we're going to talk to somebody today who is going to tell us a lot about how we can evangelize with ch- children and something better than the Dallas Cowboys, which I hope is a lot better, especially considering uh, you know our gospel message doesn't have a Jerry Jones or any kind of drama connected <laughs> to that, right? Yeah, you had to mention Jerry Jones. Didn't you wear a, a Cowboys jersey in college? I, I think sure I remember that. I sure did, and I still own. Uh, I've got multiple of them. I was a big Emmett Smith fan, and I kind of they kind of went downhill for me from there. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so. But yeah, related to telling people good news during elementary school ages, uh, you know, we've got kind of an expert on that today as a guest. We have Stephen Davis, who uh, works at Child Evangelism Fellowship here in my neck of the woods in Maryland. And I'm glad to call him not just somebody that our church is happy to support, but I'm glad to call him a personal friend as well. So, uh, Stephen, welcome to the podcast. It's a blessing. Yes, thank you. It's a blessing to be here. It's uh, wonderful. I'm, I'm so glad to be here uh, amidst the snowflakes and everything. 
<laughs> we appreciate the time. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it was great. I, I, um, in fact, our, our vehicle right now is in the shop. So I'm here on a loaner vehicle that the shop had. They were unfortunately fresh out of uh, sled dog teams, um, but I made it nonetheless. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> that's helpful. So, and they don't even have snow tires down here as much. So, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> nor do they put uh, the, uh, uh, nor do they put anything on the tires to kind of help you through it. But anyway, uh, to the actual topic at hand, you know, Stephen, uh, I've been really blessed hearing your story uh, uh, with CEF and hearing about what you guys do, and I've been really surrounded by that. But maybe some of our listeners haven't been. So, uh, can you tell our listeners about the ministry of Child Evangelism Fellowship? Yeah, I'd be thrilled to do that. Um, you know, succinctly, their mission uh, boils down to the purpose of evangelizing boys and girls with the gospel. Uh, discipling them in the Word of God and then establishing them and their families in a local Bible-believing church for Christian growth and living. So really, it's quite simple, uh, evangelizing, discipling, and establishing. Wonderful. That's good. So how did you get involved with CEF? Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, you know, that's that's a great question. In fact, it was it was um, just as I looked at the questions, as, as you guys prompted me with a few of them here, um, that was really just a wonderful thing for me to muse on um, and just preparing some of my thoughts. Uh, but I, you know, I long had an unshakable burden to spend um, you know, the lion's share of my time to communicating God's word to his people, um, both lost and saved. Uh, I wasn't initially attracted, per se, to children's ministry, um, but, but uh, we're in good company because neither were Jesus' disciples. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and so, as you can imagine, you know, with all the stereotypes that I've seen over the years, I'm sure you guys are familiar with those as well. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, to become a sticky human jungle gym wasn't exactly my secret ambition in growing up. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I guess to boil it down, I, I, w- I couldn't shake, <clears throat> basically I couldn't shake the heart. Um, you know, just for the the genre of missions work, um, you know, by, by biblical definition. Um, I've always had a knack also for maybe apologetics-orientated work. Um, and so one, one day I actually found myself um, attending the RZIM, the Robert Zacharias uh, International Ministries Summer Institute out in Wheaton, um, and that was 2013. Um, I was there, and I'd recently been made aware of the opportunity to work with CEF uh, here in Maryland, which actually is my home state. Um, and uh, I was specifically praying while I was out there in Wheaton um, for just God's direction um, during my time there. And uh, the first session we actually had with Ravi, um, he went on to say a lot of things. But um, one of the things that really struck me um, was that of all the things he said that he could do differently over their years of ministry, um, would actually have to been gone back and to have done um, much more that would have focused on reaching the youth. Mm. Um, Interestingly, I had shared that with a friend, you know, just what I've been praying about and was burdened with during my time there. And uh, after Ravi said that, we kind of glanced at each other, um, almost as if, you know, like, you know, that sounds like part of my answer, Steve. <laughs> and um, so, you know, I guess, you know, and you think about too, RZIM, right? Their, their, their motto is helping the believer think and the thinker believe. Um, and when you come away from that and realize that, you know, who are the most thinking among us? Um, and what did it, you know, just what an incredible rate of development our, our young children's minds are in forming and in maturing, um, you know, of all times in life. It's, it's when you're a child that your mind is developing, it's thinking, it's working through the critical questions of life. Um, shortly thereafter, I kept seeing things by George Barna, Josh McDowell, and others, uh, just about how the need is so great for reaching children with a biblical worldview. Um, basically, between the ages of four and 14, 
um, that it's the most formative time in a person's life, uh, that largely the foundation for their view, their perspective on things is laid in this time period. Um, I, you know, but, you know, you think about it too, you know, what do we tend to do? You know, we, we have various churches and ministries um, that do focus on reaching, you know, kids. Uh, but, but largely, when you look over, when you survey just how much of it has done, been, been done over the years, um, our kids, both in and out of church, are starting to give themselves over more and more to things they really ought not. Um, and I'm seeing this, and I'm, I'm seeing it with my peers, I'm seeing it with family friends, um, I'm seeing it in the culture, in the news, in the headlines, I and mean, you're just seeing it more and more and more. Um, you know, I can remember the first, you know, major public school shooting was, you know, during my, my tenure in high school. Um, and just, you know, more and more, just seeing the depravity of man, um, I guess, boldly in, in our faces. Um, and so I'm, I'm kind of was left asking, why do we wait till our young people are stealing, lying, taking sexual advantage of each other, mm-hmm. doing drugs, uh, whatever, you know, till we get serious about doing something? Um, I, I didn't, in a nutshell, I didn't really want to quote, scare quotes, I guess, uh, do children's ministry. Um, but I found myself ultimately compelled by the love of God and just the truth of the matter, um, that I need to do something and stand in this awful gap um, for the glory of God and the good of others. Uh, so basically I said yes uh, to the position that they offered me with CF Maryland. Praise the Lord. Oh, that's, that's neat to hear. Yes, and we are very glad that you did say yes in that <laughs> for that. So. I appreciate that. Thank you, guys. God is good. So, uh, now, would you explain to us what exactly you uh, do with CEF? I mean, are you kind of like the royal emperor of all CEF? Is that your position? I, I prefer dictator. Um, you know, uh, but uh, they changed it to director. Um, but uh, so I guess there's a, a slight uh, difference in, in if we have to define our terms. But um, no, no, seriously. Uh, you know, CEF, Child Evangelism Fellowship. Um, they, of course, as a ministry, uh, as an organization, they, they do desire to grow. Um, but it's more than that. Um, it's about it's about helping the, the local church uh, grow. Um, it's, it's not just about growing CEF, but it's about growing the local church. Um, we basically look for bodies of believers who love God and care about the next generation. Um, we work to establish a partnership where on our end we provide the curriculum um, and, and, and not just the curriculum, but like any soldier, <coughs> like any soldier who's only going to be so effective if you were to hand him a sword uh, or, or any other sort of weapon, um, but don't train him how to use it. So we, we provide the curriculum, but we also provide ongoing training to effectively use these materials um, so that you can have a greater impact. Uh, we also provide in, you know, the insurance, the legal protection, uh, screenings, ongoing workshops, and support uh, to those who, who are willing to make this commitment. Um, and uh, you know, it's funny, you know, what, what exactly do I do? I, I, I kind of chuckle because it reminds me of a, um, an analogy that Ray Comfort um, God bless that fellow. I love him. <laughs> but he used, uh, I love it. He, I have to borrow from him. He said, because ultimately, because the work that I do and that we do in CEF, it's our middle name, is evangelism. So the work I do is, is part and parcel as an evangelist. Um, and so while churches, of course, need a pastor, their shepherd, um, you know, one may think of me <laughs> as a bit of a sheepdog, uh, you know, barking and nipping at the heels of believers. Um, of course, consequential, you get the occasional foot in the uh, the hoof in the uh, in the jaw. But uh, <laughs> but you know, we, we you know, barking and nipping at the heels of believers to keep them moving. You know, in the direction of the Great Commission. Um, you know that ultimately the the Good Shepherd calls us to. Mm. Wonderful. So, why is evangelizing children in particular so important? 
Uh, because, you know, there is biblical and theological basis for it. Uh, you know, that's could be a cop-out answer, but it, it is a, uh, an honest answer. Um, there's biblical and theological basis for it. Uh, secondarily, I'd say there's also a cultural imperative for it, um, as it's a means of grace um, that has an, a redeeming effect on culture and life, uh, families, individuals, and nations. Um, you know, like, a bar from a number of uh, even non-Christian folks who recognize, um, you know, what we would call the salt and light or redemptive effect of Christianity, um, for instance, uh, Matthew Paris, you know, the, the noted UK journalist, um, he considers himself an avowed atheist. Uh, he's deliberately written that uh, apart from the Christian gospel, you know, not just the ethics of the gospel or the, um, you know, the teachings, but, but the real belief, the heart change of the gospel, um, he's recognized, he's written about this, um, that he, apart from this, he sees no hope for his home continent of Af Africa. Um, Similarly, I, I, I've also noted um, something that Gwenter Louie had, had written. Um, he was initially writing a book called um, Why America Does Not Need Religion. Um, and as it would be in his own words, uh, quote, a defense of secular humanism and ethical relativism. Um, but it was in the midst of his research and writing uh, that uh, he found himself having to conclude exactly the opposite. <laughs> and then, in fact, he even changed the, the title um, in the midst of his work to Why America Needs Religion. Um, he noted in his research, particularly uh, about Christianity, um, that it correlated with lower rates of social pathologies, such as you know, crime, drug abuse, teen pregnancy, family breakdown. Um, and he wrote that, quote, no society has yet been successful in teaching morality without religion. Mm. Um, basically, he makes a pretty clear case that Christianity uniquely contributes to the social flourishing um, for responsibility, for moral integrity, compassion, and what we might call altruism. Um, I've, I've, you know, I've recently reconnected with some fellows from um, my own high school that I graduated with. Uh, this happened just a couple years ago. I've been out of high school now for, goodness, like 15 years. Um, but uh, we just reconnected probably about two years ago. And um, I, you know, what's, what's interesting is, more interesting than this, they call themselves, quote, devout atheists. Uh, but more interesting that is that um, they both have told me um, uh, together um when several times we've gotten together, they've told me on more than one occasion that, in their opinion, America um, has gotten so bad because they just observe our nation moving away from a godless, you know, or moving away from a god, you know, uh, based framework um, that that's becoming America's becoming more godless, and that's part of our cultural problem. And yet they're saying this as quote devout atheist. Pretty amazing. Um, all, of, <laughs> all of us are inconsistent in different ways. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Oh, I, I, you, right, exactly. It's like take that statement in itself, and I have. I've given him some really great pushback. And, in fact, I, redemptively, um, one of our last get-togethers was just the other week. Um, we had them over for my wife and I for uh, for dinner. And, um, you know, they are good buddies. Uh, I was texting with them earlier today, actually. And um, But, you know, it's amazing. Uh, they've, they've moved from, for instance, being um, pro-choice, um, to now, you know, generally pro-life. The one is more than the other. In fact, the one actually argues for pro-life now. Um, I just, I'm hoping for the day that they argue for a pro-eternal life. <laughs> um, but uh, it's amazing. We've had some great discussions. They've even told me recently that they, they hope that they can one day be able to put their trust in, in the Savior, as I have. Um, so I'm, I'm grateful for this. I'm continuing to pray for them. Um, all that to say, though, um, just, you know, the, 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 the need for reaching children with the gospel um, you know, there's, there's the, the altruism effect that it has, but then, you know, culturally, you know, we, 
we know it to be the byproduct, right? Um, but true Christian revival via evangelism and intercession, there's also the biblical and theological, quote, prime product, um, which is sinners being saved and brought from death to life in Jesus. Uh, there's the, so in a nutshell, there's the biblical and theological imperative, but then there's also the social cultural vacuum, um, which means evangelizing children is so important. That's good. Mm-hmm. I want to piggyback on that. And I want to add, I think it's also so important. I see it because, uh, you know, there's so much more ability to expose children to the gospel uh, than uh, than there is for other generations. And, uh, you know, I can think of, uh, I interacted with a person a few years ago, and the person has progressed towards more of a biblical worldview of ministering to children. Uh, and uh, he emphasized with me, you know, uh, Tony, I really want to do the work of evangelism, uh, but there's really nobody that I can evangelize to. I don't really know of any way I can do evangelism. And I suggested the person serve in the nursery, uh, help out at the summer uh, children's ministry outreach at the church. Uh, and uh, he said, oh, you know, that's not that's not real evangelism. Uh, and I think it's a shame, you know, it's he limited his ability to do evangelism because he uh, because he had the standard that evangelism to children was not evangelism. Isn't sharing the gospel with kids once a year on Easter or maybe during your kids camp just once a year? Isn't that really enough, though, Stephen? Uh, yeah, golly, I'd even say that might be a little overkill. Um, you know, I'd say play it safe and maybe do it once every other Easter. Um, <laughs> no, I, Burn I mean, the heretic. <laughs> uh, you know, on a less satirical note, um, uh, Jack Klumpenhauer, right? Um, the esteemed author of mm-hmm. Show Them Jesus, uh, whom you guys have had on a previous TFM podcast, which I enjoyed uh, thoroughly. Um, I think, you know, it was a, he was epistemologically and practically brilliant. Um, you know, he really stressed that um, every day we need to be living out the gospel. Um, he talked about the need and the means for doing this in very helpful ways. So to any of your listeners, um, I, I strongly encourage them to go back and find that podcast. Um, but also to my chagrin, you know, I'm far from having this down pat in my own life. And I realize that. And, um, I, I, you know, it was Jesus who saved me to begin with. And it's going to be him who, who keeps me in his fold. And, um, and, and I will persevere by his grace and will hope to continue to grow. And being able to live this out and practice this um, in the fellowship of other believers. Um, but, uh, you know, that does little, you know, or, or to nothing to, to belittle the imperative of, say, the Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9 lifestyle, um, you know, which says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Uh, these commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Here's where it gets really um, important or, or, you know, pertinent to us. It says, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, mm-hmm. when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on, you know, just on the, the um, on your hearts. I mean, because it's so important um, that we not only, uh, obviously you can't be living out that passage uh, just on Easter once a year. You know, that's, that's a daily thing. Um, and so I would say, yes, it's of utmost importance. Um, that we be doing this more more than just once a year or at camp or VBS, um, but it needs to be woven into our everyday life and lifestyle. Um, you know, by all means, let's make Easter very special um, because it is. 
Yet, since most of us haven't been given privy to whom God has chosen to save, nor when he has or where he has determined to do so, uh, it behooves us then to be faithful to love God and others, love them, uh, by teaching and acting on the gospel. As it says in um, Hebrews 12:15, <clears throat> see to it that no one misses the grace of God. Uh, and uh, another passage, as God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. Uh, for he says, um, in, my, in the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. That's, that's 2 Corinthians 6, 1, 2. But mm-hmm. it talks about the day of salvation. And in this context, you know, it's not saying a specific day of the week or holiday. Um, but we are in the time or the, the period of God's salvation. We have, as Jesus says, quote, freely received. And so we should freely give. Um, I've seen, you know, just in my own life, I've seen people come into a saving knowledge and profession of faith uh, in some of the most unlikely times and places. Uh, you know, we may second guess uh, the child's ability to communicate with God, um, but we should never second guess God's ability to communicate with a child. Um, you know, I, uh, last reference at this moment I have in my mind is First Peter 3.15, but in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. That's a big deal. But then it goes on and says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have to do this with gentleness and respect. Um, you know, emphasis on that word, always, uh, I think it's really important for us. That's good. That's good. Um, so, Stephen, what is the biblical, and you, I guess you've covered this some, but uh, anything else you want to add about the biblical and theological basis for evangelizing kids? Yeah, absolutely. No, I appreciate that. Um, you know, I, I, you know, we could, you know, we have, you know, we could go from Genesis to revolutions, um, just to <laughs> really unpack that. But, you know, it's, I'd, you know, I'd say, all right, well, you know, start in second Maccabees. Uh, no, <laughs> I think third's better. Third, okay. <laughs> we started, started a firestorm now, watch that. Um, no, the old New Testament's call for it, um, which means God calls for it, uh, and to flesh this out. You know, uh, the entire law or teaching of God through Moses was read by Joshua as prescribed by God through Moses to all the people of Israel, um, specifically including, quote, the women and children and the aliens who live among them. Now, for any young listeners, uh, aliens does not mean little green men from Mars. Uh, <laughs> so I hate to disappoint. But uh, but again, that passage you know, it's from Joshua 8, 34, 35, and he wants to check references. Um, but... Um, I, I think that's a great base base point, you know, Old Testament wise. There's many other passages um, that God, you know, is instructing His people to teach children quote the decrees and commands of Him as the Lord. A, a popular passage many are familiar with, or at least they should be, is the first nine verses in, in Deuteronomy um, six. You know, the the Shema, you know, which I uh, I referred to earlier, um, which is a Hebrew prayer. You know, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Um, but that, that's just, I think, another really important passage that gives doctrinal, biblical, um, theological basis. Um, you know, there are other references worth noting, so I'll just jot through them here, um, and, and, and as, as those who are listening can make note of it and, and just spend some time, you know, mulling on it, chewing on it. But Deuteronomy 11, 18 through 21, uh, chapter 31, 12 through 13, um, it, talk, it talks about the need to assemble the nation to hear the testimony of the Lord, quote, men, women, and children, and the aliens living in your towns. Um, Then in verse 13, I think it's amazing, it's brilliant. It says, um, their children who do not know this law must hear it and learn to fear the Lord your God. Um, I mean, quite frankly, how else are they gonna learn it? 
um, God has revealed it to them, and now it's you know, it's why well, you could say it, it's a passage that that carries the tension of God's sovereignty and man's responsibility, right? You know, God has decreed it; He's given it; He's He's shown them His will, but He's also given the responsibility and the call, the mandate to um, to pass this on to the next generation. Um, I think it's also pretty well observed to a degree that you know we are free to make choices. Um, however, we're not free to change the consequences of these choices. Um, and Israel dealt with that throughout their you know throughout their history. Uh, and I think we as a church are dealing with that. Um, you know, what choices are we making in children's ministry? Um, and uh, ultimately, that's I think prompted, or at least part of what prompted you guys to to begin this this amazing mm-hmm. dialogue and discussion, this podcast. Um, there are many other passages, though. I mean, the, the Old Testament running right into the New Testament. I mean. I, Psalm 34, 11 to 14, come children, listen to me, it says. Uh, the other place in the Psalms, some of my favorites, Psalm 78, 1 through 7, uh, and then um, Psalm 71, 17 through 18, um, which I love because in its context, it's multi-generational. So often I'll hear older folks say, I just can't connect with the younger generations. And so they kind of look for excuses to, to check out. And I say, no, 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 <laughs> you can't get away with this because listen here, um, God's word is, is here today and now and forever. Um, but it says, uh, since my youth, oh God, you have taught me. And to this day, I declare your marvelous deeds. Even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, O God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your might to all who are to come. There's there's so much to notice in this just this passage because it speaks one multi generational as I mentioned, but it also speaks of past, present, and future. Right? You know, uh, it starts with uh, since my youth, O God, past as a child, since I was young, you've taught me. And then present to this very day, I declare your marvelous deeds. And then he goes into the future. And sorry if it uh, ruffles any any uh, gray hairs, but it says, even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, O God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your might to all who are to come. So there he's talking about the future. People who aren't even here yet, the young ones who aren't even born yet. Um, and I think it's also too that we make note of you know, the fact that it, it uses the word power and might, right? Because the scriptures talk about how our God is mighty to save. And, um, and that awesome passage in Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. Um, we have a number of places, you know, throughout the prophets um, who speak, you know, of just the need for the work on behalf of the next generation. I think of uh, one of my memory verses is, is uh, Lamentations 2.19. It just grips me. Uh, it says, Arise, cry out in the night as the watches of the night begin. Pour out your heart like water in the presence of the Lord. Lift up your hands to him for the lives of your children who faint from hunger at the head of every street. Um, I, I just want us to almost pause on that. You know what I mean? The, the scriptures implore us to intercede on behalf of our children. Um, I think this is, it's so important. I think it's so easy to get wrapped up in the, the, the deeds of doing this and that, right? Like Martha and Mary, you know, it's just serving the Lord and we got to do this, we got to do that. And we're so busy and we got constant bombardment, you know, with our devices, um, that, that are waylaying us with messages and concerns. Um, and yet, you know, we need to take time and spend with the Lord. And ultimately, like that passage says, intercede, um, on their behalf. Um, I think it's interesting too, that passage even ends with, you know, or talks about the famine, right? Uh, Arise, cry in the night as the watch of the night begin. Pour out your heart like water in the presence of the Lord. Lift up your hands to him, you know, to him for the lives of your children who faint from hunger at the head of every street. Cross-reference that with Amos 8.11, which warns about a famine, not of food or a thirst for water, but a famine of hearing God's word. Like, 
hello, consider the, you know, the, the pervasive godliness of, of, of our virtually, you know, all of our media today. Um, and, and even in our education system since 1962, where prayer and Bible is, you know, completely, you know, banished officially from our school systems. Um, and then we roll into the New Testament. Jesus, you know, himself asserts that children can and do believe. Uh, look at Matthew 18, 6, um, you know, where he says, you know, if anyone calls one of these little ones who, quote, believe in me, to sin, you know. So Jesus asserts that children can and do believe. Um, I know some people question that or wonder the, the ability of a child to believe. Um, I think this is a, a, an apropos place to insert a quote by Spurgeon, um, which uh, which actually ultimately turned um, the founder of CEF, Child Evangelism Fellowship, this ministry back in 1930. Um, it turned him uh, to give time and attention to children. It was a quote he read by Spurgeon, who he considered Spurgeon was a little bit um, liberal. Um, but uh, <laughs> Jesse, Irv, Ir, Jesse, Irv, yeah, exactly. I think there are a few things that might have done it. Um, but uh, he 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 read a book by uh, Spurgeon, and in it he saw uh, a quote that said, "A child of five, if properly instructed, can as savingly believe and be regenerated as any adult." And that drove him crazy because he himself was told as a youngster that he could not be uh, able to join the church until he was older and could understand more, that he really couldn't pray and receive Jesus as his Lord, really couldn't call himself a Christian, but maybe a part of a Christian family. And um, he actually concluded in his biography uh, or in his journals, which there's been some biographies written about him now, uh, but in his journals, he concluded that, um, hey, if I can't be forgiven of my sin, then I might as well enjoy it. And... Um, one of my favorite uh, stories from him doing that, because I come from a, you guys were talking about cowboys earlier, but I can relate in a literal sense. I actually was a cowboy professionally for, not football cowboy, but a cowboy before coming into CEF, even, yes, here in Maryland and uh, on the Pennsylvania line. But um, <laughs> yeah, uh, overhauls are one of my favorite stories, right? And I think this was my call to this ministry um, when I saw his example of, of mischievousness. But <laughs> he, um, he, during the middle of the night, he took the neighbor's cow and he lined up all these planks of like wood and walk the cow managed to get up on the roof of their barn and uh, because he had tips with the neighbor off and on and the neighbor woke up like in the wee hours in the morning hearing the cow mooing from the top of the barn (laughs) and uh, so uh, but i know it's a bit of a tangent but all, all that to say like um it's amazing just to see the um just the the need of children to know the gospel and that yes they can savingly believe and that was a very personal issue is what i'm getting at even for the founder of cef and i guess hence he started cef um and he was later affirmed by you know dl moody and many others um but um you know even the the parable of the lost sheep right uh in its context is actually told with children in mind um you know matthew 18 14. um mark 10 14 we're given the words and example of jesus saying when jesus saw this the disciples saying, hey, kids, we need to send you away now because we got big, important things to do. Um, when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. And he said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth. Anyone who would not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Uh, he took the children in his arms. He put his hands on them and he blessed them. Um, so when we think of children. You know, we should we should ask ourselves the old cliche, you know, what would Jesus do? Right? It's cliche, but it's true. Um, what did Jesus do when he was around children? And what has Jesus taught us throughout all scripture? Um, and, you know, of course, we can't overlook the Great Commission uh, passage, Matthew 18, or 28, verses 18 through 20. You know, go into all the world um, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and, and teaching them to obey everything that he's commanded us. Um, you know, I, I could just go on. I, the epistles, right? You know, they were written to, quote, the saints, um, but this often included children. 
Um, for instance, Ephesians. Uh, it was, you know, not only were there many metaphoric and illustrative references to, quote, infants and children, you know, see chapter four, um, but there are also intentional phrases apropos to the audience that, that was being written to there in Ephesus. Um, specific instruction, two and four children. Um, you'll see that in chapter six. Um, children can, yes, savingly believe, and so they should also be included and involved in, in the local body of faith. Uh, Romans 10, 14, how can they hear unless, you know, someone goes? And how can someone go, right, unless they're sent? Um, I think another favorite passage uh, that I would turn to is 2 Timothy 3, 14, 15. But as for you, continue what you've learned and have become convinced of. You know, Paul's writing Timothy. Because you know those of whom you've learned it. And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Um, like, wow, from infancy he was taught. Um, certainly, there's biblical, um, you know, imperatives for us uh, to 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 be teaching children. Um, you know, I think you know, if for those who might want a more complete basis biblically and theologically, I you know, as I mentioned the the book earlier, "Show Them Jesus" by by Klumpenhauer, um, that, that you guys have you know uh, um, is referenced as well. Uh, but also strongly, almost insist uh, that folks would pick up a copy of the book called "Children: A Biblical Perspective" uh, by Dr. Sam Doherty. Um, he's an older gentleman these days. Um, I believe he might still be living in Switzerland, um, but he's you know originally from Ireland. But he's worked, I think he's written like a hundred books, um, seriously. And um, it's it, the book itself is mildly academic in its format, but it's also really thorough in living up, and I'd say even going beyond its title, "Children: A Biblical Perspective." Um, and uh, this this book and many other vital helps um, can be found at cefbookministry.com. That was cef bookministry.com again highly recommend it great fantastic so yeah well definitely is a robust biblical understanding of evangelizing children this has been part one of a two-part interview with child evangelism fellowship director for carroll county maryland stephen davis be sure to check back next week for part two of the interview thank you for joining us for this episode of the theological family ministry podcast If you have enjoyed this episode, please give us a review on iTunes and share the podcast with your friends on social media. All new episodes are available to listen to on Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, Spreaker, and iTunes. We hope you have a great week, and join us again every first and third Thursday.